few more things here. So we're talking um, about balance, sustainability, fertility in the practice, ensuring, guarding, supporting, encouraging these things through our, through the art and the artfulness of our practice. And one uh, aspect of this that, that it's really worth mentioning is the sort of um, navigation between or the emphasis of attention in imaginal practice um, and uh, noticing what captivates or captures the attention. So what's my personal tendency or your personal tendency, if there is one, um, into my, my personal pattern, your personal pattern, or habit um, for the attention to keep getting captivated by this element or that aspect of the whole soul-making um, uh, constellation or, or movement. Um, so th- this is really, really important because, again, what can happen is the, the attention gets captivated by something and all the energy funnels along there and all the growth funnels along there and it can be just, well, lopsided, yeah? If you have an image of more like a sphere expanding or, or, or a, let's put it in two dimensions, a circle kind of wanting to expand in all directions and get bigger. And instead, for different reasons, it's only expanding in one direction and the whole thing tips. And that's not sustainable. There's, there's not balance there and it won't be fertile. So I was working <coughs> with someone um, the other day, in fact, and... Um, and uh, for her, uh, so here we're talking about the, 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 where the attention um, might get funneled, for instance, or captured, or uh, undue emphasis, uh, imbalanced emphasis towards, let's say, um, the heart, or the energy around the heart, constellating in the heart with the eros and with the love or whatever, um, at the expense of the imaginal. Now, we've talked about um, the other imbalance where one is lost in the image without the awareness of the, the emotional resonances and, and the energy body resonance. Here was an example of the other. Um, and again, it was, it was I think, her tendency. Um, so pointing it out and just offering the possibility um, that, ah, um, what... Uh, do you see what's happening here with the um, attention being captured, so to speak, by all the fire and heat and energy coming up into the heart area in the energy body, um, that actually the very attention was intensifying, that the constriction of the attention was intensifying the energy there until the whole thing felt like it was getting overexcited, like some like a flame or you know a circuit sort of... Uh, when you blow a fuse kind of thing, um, or it was um, going to dissipate in that way, or become like way out of balance, or just, just yet yeah, disperse. Um, now, one option is to open up the energy body awareness and get the whole body involved, we'll return to that. Or, and, and in this case, what, what I just gently guided towards was um, not taking the attention off the, what was happening in the heart and in the whole energy body, but actually just redressing the balance a little bit, giving a little bit more attention to the image. It's almost like the image tended to get lost there with all the sort of captivation of the attention in the heart area and the energy. So just giving a little bit more attention to the image, letting that become more um, alive and prominent, still aware of the heart and the energy body, and, and also taking care to balance the both, you know, uh, 
in this case, not just the self, uh, sort of what's happening with me, I am becoming this in the image and a sort of captivation with that at the expense of the other. So there was an example of that was also a little bit imbalanced in an unusual way towards the self and, and forgetting the other a little bit. So aware, still aware of the heart and the energy body, taking care of the balance between self and other, but giving a little more attention to the image. And then the uh, kind of over-intensity that was gathering in the heart and feeling too uncomfortable, like it was just going to blow, um, that, that could kind of calm a little bit. And actually, there was less intensity but more potency. This is a really important distinction. The distinction between intensity and potency. So when we work that way, instead of a fuse just being blown, um, because it was too much intensity... Or instead of it just being really intense and being like, wow, that was amazing, and then actually not much happening in terms from the point of view of soul-making and um, shifts or openings of, of the psyche and of the perception of the world, etc. Actually, the spreading, if you like, of the intensity and the, the opening so that all that energy could kind of go into other domains like the imaginal, etc., the whole experience became richer, deeper and more potent. In other words, it, it made a difference to the soul. So don't, this is a general point now, don't confuse intensity and potency. Intensity is very, uh, you know, um, attention-grabbing and looks very impressive and feels very impressive. It, it doesn't always translate as potency. Sometimes what is intense can be potent, and sometimes um, what is potent is really not that intense. Okay, so there's a more general point there, but there's um, also this question of like the, the relative um, emphasis of attention. In this case, we're talking between the heart and the energy body on one hand, and the image on the other. So all this has to do with balancing and kind of leaning one way, responding to what's happening. And as we're talking about energy, let's talk about sexual energy um, now. Of course. Um, Fantasies, images um, that come into the mind can uh, bring sexual energy with them, of course, lost in a sexual daydream, even something like that, um, and, and brings sexual energy, a sexual arousal. And the other way around, we can feel sexual arousal and it constellates um, some kind of fantasy or daydream or image. Um, with the... When that's the case, actually, um, what can one option is to give some energy to the sexual give sorry give some attention to the sexual energy. Oftentimes, what happens really when we're not mindful is the um, either the or both of the um, we get lost in the image in a not mindful way, it's not really imaginal then, and the sexual energy is just kind of contracted, perhaps genitally or, or in some area, area of the body. So give some emphasis of attention to the sexual energy, but in the whole energy body. So again, really emphasize the whole energy body. And really what happens if I allow that sexual energy? Um, really allow it um, in the body and, and open to it and let it open because oftentimes it will um, then spread if we allow it and open to it and open the space for it it will spread like a gas to fill that space fill the whole energy body and really feel it and let yourself enjoy the energy 
Let yourself enjoy the sexual energy, opening to it, feeling it, mindful of it in the body. And what can happen is the sexual energy, one of the things that can happen is that the sexual energy um, transubstantiates, if you like, or transforms into bliss. It just becomes kind of rapturous energy or something like that. PT or something. So there's, there's a close connection between sexual energy and PT. <coughs> and and opening to it that way and feeling it and really letting yourself feel it. So we're talking about really an open, um, skillful mindfulness of the sexual energy in the whole energy body. And it can transform to bliss and then you can do all kinds of different things with the bliss if you want to go into samadhi or whatever. But let's be clear, if I'm caught up in an image, whether it's sexual or not, that's not the imaginal. Okay? And if I'm not aware of the energy body, that's also not so imaginal. Um, and it's not uh, eros then, uh, because it won't be um, it won't be stimulating the soul making there. Yeah, it's just well craving. Um, but even if something arises that way, as what seems like just a kind of fantasy or sexual craving or whatever, or agitating sexual, there's a possibility to work either with it, with the image of it, to allow it to become imaginal. So just an image in the way we're not using it in the cheap sense can actually become, I can enter into a relationship with this image that makes it imaginal, allows it to become imaginal. And then the soul-making, the eurosychologos dynamic can, can get involved and start to expand in relation to that image. But imaginal practice for us includes not just that, the dimensionality and all that with the image and the sensitivity, but also the, the mindfulness, as we said, of the energy body and the soul-making resonances. But there's the possibility of navigating, if you like, responding, no matter how something starts. <clears throat> just feel this agitated sexual energy, uncomfortable, or just feel this image that looks like, yeah, you know, it's just a sexual daydream or whatever. The possibilities of navigating, uh, we can really develop our, our skill, our art here with all this. Um, let's just amplify something I mentioned before and take it out again for the sake of um, an important point. Um, so we talked about sometimes the image may want to, or we can incline it towards, here's this image with this erotic uh, beloved, uh, the beloved other, yeah, some erotic object. And there's um, a movement or an inclination towards um, merging or melting uh, together um, into union. And one possibility is we just allow that to to go towards union. You know, really fine. We even navigate that way so that there is this this melting together into oneness. And there's, as I said, technically speaking, there's less fabrication at that point. Less fabrication in the perception of forms, etc., um, and we can really kind of dissolve into that oneness to you know um, to a deep degree. Or um, again, talking about navigation, steering, uh, inclination, etc., choices uh, in in the imaginal practice, because the an alternative is to actually keep the eros um, in the way that it constellates and retains the tunus that we talked about several times, and keeps the images alive. In other words, the images don't just melt into light or, or whatever, or diffuse kind of love. You're actually um, sustaining 
the erotic tension and sustaining the two-ness and the otherness and the particulars of the images, etc. Um, why? Um, I'm not to say that's always the best, but other doorways and other dimensions are opened through retaining that erotic tension and the two-ness, the otherness and the image and the particularity of the image. Um, excuse me. Because in that, in that erotic constellation that doesn't dissolve into oneness, we actually experience something, a kind of, a different kind of holiness. Different kinds of holiness. But um, it can, we can um, experience and have the perception, the imaginal perception of participation. Participation in um, the dimensions of divinity, of, of, of the cosmos, if you like. And that's different than oneness. Just a oneness of essence, just a melting into that, which is wonderful, and different kinds of oneness. But participation, if you like, is something... It's different. It, it's actually richer. The, the, there are infinite varieties and infinite depths and dimensions and facets of participation, which... Um, onenesses are, are tend to be simpler and, and more limited. There are dimensions and beauty to uh, the perception, the deep, uh, almost endlessly infinite perceptions of participation, mystical participation, um, or, or of, of this image and my participation in this image echoing something and participating through echoing or mirroring something more uh, cosmic or divine will come back to this. Um, but for that echoing and for that um, participation, uniqueness is necessary. So it's not just a oneness of essence, a kind of dissolving of the particularities in this one uh, universal substance of love or awareness or whatever it is, or light or, or something being, is actually my uniqueness, or the uniqueness that pertains to the self and the other, and this kind of love, and this kind of eros, or whatever it is, in the image. The uniquenesses in the image are necessary to participation, in a way that they're not um, in, in a sense of oneness. There's a whole a whole different sort of direction and dimensionality of sense of holiness, etc. But there's, you know, there's always the question of balance and the possibilities here, and this kind of infinitely uh, gradated uh, sh- shift of emphasis and inclination and navigation. So an image may go towards melting, and then there's a sense of the energy body melting, and I could take that into samadhi if I like, and then actually let the image go. That's possible, or um, <clears throat> or the image goes to, to the melting, and and I. Uh, towards the melting and the union, I feel that in the energy body, but I choose to modulate it. As we mentioned before, I kind of linger at some point or just stop it at some point, and perhaps at the edge of where there is the imaginal form and the formless. Just lingering around that edge is very insubstantial. All kinds of possibilities here. All kinds of possibilities. But there is something that we get through the retaining of the tunas. Um, the retaining of the erotic other and the otherness and the particularities that we don't get in, um, say, more uh, commonly described or um, <coughs> conveyed teachings uh, uh, 
mystical experiences and, and directions. It's another kind of way of putting partly what we've just been through, another way of sort of dividing it up, is we, we could say that in everything that we've talked about, I think in everything, we, we can, as I said, we can think about or play with the shifting of the relative weight or the um, emphasis of the attention, um, uh, for example, on the desire itself, on the energy of the desire, or on the inquiry into the desire, this deep, what, what, what am I really wanting here? But we can give, we can put the weight of the attention on the, on the energy of the desire, or the weight of the attention um, on the <coughs> image, and include the image of the other, of the self, of the world, in the cosmic basis, of the eros itself, or equally between those. And, and this um, opens up the sense of dimensionality and divinity, or what's the relative weight with those and the en- and uh, uh, compared with the energy body? And if it's the energy body, is it a particular center I'm working on—the heart, or the throat, or the you know lower belly, or whatever, or the whole energy body? And again, uh, the, what's the relative emphasis on the sense of love and the kinds of love? Uh, or, or the emotional difficulty that 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 that, um, that one might be feeling doesn't have to be at all, but um, any difficulty there. But but it might be a, lack, lack, a sense of lack, or the the desire itself is difficult, or some other emotion there. So we can think about this kind of relative uh, emphasis of the weights of di- of the attention. It's it's all in the field. Um, but what are we kind of emphasizing more or less at any time in, in that balance there? Another way, uh, you know, to, to, to sort of <coughs> approach the whole question of, of balance, um, another kind of way in, a way to divide it up, is we could also ask ourselves or check, um, again, at any time or just more in general, but um, are my three centers... Uh, my belly, my heart, and my head, so to speak. Sometimes people talk about three centers, belly, belly heart, and head. Are my three, all three centers, are they involved? In uh, Here's this desire, here's this eros with the imaginal, um, whether it's an actual person or a uh, or an intrapsychic image. Are my three centers involved? Are they all open? And are they connected with each other? Yes. So is my belly um, and and my kind of, uh, if you like, um, center of sexuality is that connected with my heart? You know, is my heart connected with my head? Um, but really, you know, that's that's fine as a way of talking. But really, what we're talking about there, for me, I would say, um, when we talk about the belly center, it's really the body, the energy body. So again, it's like saying. Is my energy body um, involved? Is it open? Is it connected with the other dimensions of my being? Is it connected with, um, and do I feel the um, the sympathy and the resonance with um, the heart? The heart has two meanings. Uh, metaphorically, it's not just that place in the middle of your chest, um, although it includes that, of course, um, but it's also my emotion. So is my emotional awareness and sensitivity and care, um, is that involved? 
Is it open? Are my emotions open? Are they connected, as I said, these, these different aspects or dimensions of our being? And heart has a second meaning in some traditions, I think I mentioned this, as actually more equivalent to the organ of the soul's perception, the organ of imaginal perception. So in other words, am I, is, is, is the image, have I forgotten about the image? Um, or is that involved, um, uh, included, is it open, am I opening to it? Is it connecting with the energy body and all that? Is the energy body connecting with the imaginal and all that? And then the head, for me, that really refers to the logos, or the, the what conceptual, am I aware of what conceptions are operating, what logoi, and what's the conceptual framework that is actually in play. So this doesn't necessarily need a huge amount of cogitation and thinking and all that stuff, but, um, but there is conception operating, as I said, all the time. It's part of soul-making. It's part of imaginal practice. It's part of eros. And to, is that included? Is what's going on there um, in, <clears throat> in, if we call it the mind, it's not only the brain located in the head. The head center doesn't just mean the head center. But, um, for me, um, it is, is the conceptuality included? Is there wise conceptuality? Am I aware of it? Am I including it? Am I, can I shape it, etc.? Respond with it. Is it connected? Is it open? Is it involved? <clears throat> and, you know, one very basic thing that um, it's, you know, if we talk about con- concept and, and the part, uh, what part that has, the conceptual framework in all this, um, you know, am I clear, for instance, in in relation to navigation, am I clear um, about of the distinction between, and am I clear in how I'm navigating between um, the sort of three degrees of fabrication, if you like. Remember this from, I think it was the last retreat or the retreat before. Um, In other words, we can navigate towards, steer towards a, a, a lessening of fabrication into samadhi or meta or um, different kinds of oneness or towards the unfabricated. Beautiful, really important steering. We can just approach things with a kind of mindfulness or bare attention, which is, you know, just a little bit less fabrication than a usual state of consciousness. And that's, that's you know, it's really helpful, really skillful at times. It's part of our practice. You know, but heavens that it become, you know, Heaven forbid that it become the whole of the practice, but it's an option and it's and it's helpful for some things. Or we're engaging in in the art of fabrication, if you like, the 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 more tantric practice of skillful fabrication, soul making fabrication. So it's three degrees towards the unfabricated, the so-called um, bare attention or mindfulness, a sort of midpoint, if you like, and there's the skillful fabrication of the imaginal of soul making. So just be clear about that and clear <clears throat> what we're doing at any point um, and where we're headed and is it deliberate and is that where we want to go right now. <clears throat> but just to say right now, and this is this is um, what I want to pick up in the next talk, um, that the conceptual framework, so I was talking about, you know, belly, heart and head, and head really for me I'm saying is conceptual framework. And just to say how important that is, that actually the conceptual framework that's operating at any time, and that there will always be one, even if you don't know what it is, and if you're, it's vague or it's unclear, um, uh, even if it's confused, you know, 
the conceptual framework operating time can potentially be really, really supportive. Uh, it it's a, it's a, can be something that um, supports uh, the the movement of the eros and the opening of the imaginal practice and the soul making. It contains something. Uh, and we need, you know, if we go back to the image of the vessel, vessel is containment. And one of the ways um, this whole practice is contained in a good way that allows it to be soul making, allows the fire to heat up the material, etc., in the alchemical analogy, is that the conceptual framework contains and creates, is part of con- creating a vessel. Conceptual framework works as a map to guide, <coughs> and out of all this, it allows trust because I have a conceptual framework. I have a sense of orientation, containment, support, guidance. It brings trust, balance, stability. Yes, there is this breaking of the vessels that can happen at certain points, uh, and the stretching of the vessels, and the shattering of the vessels from the Kabbalistic um, uh, mythology. Um, and that has its important place. But generally speaking, um, conceptual frameworks are really, really helpful. And this is what I want to, uh, if we're still talking about navigation and, and, and vessels, this is what to want to go into in the next talk. Uh, that, whole, that whole aspect of things. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.